It's podcast number 28 at joettecalibries.com, and we've got a great episode for you. Joette and I were really burning the midnight oil when we recorded this podcast this week, and Joette circles around two important topics tonight. She talks about allergies, and the second topic I've noticed from my interactions with her lately that it's really been on her mind, and she is really trying to get this message across to her students. The topic is patience and assessing a case. What Joette is helping me understand more and more is that if you don't assess a case properly, you might miss out on the whole value and power of homeopathy. And so let's take it from the top and hear what Joette has to say about this. All right, so here we go. We've had a really busy week here on allergies, allergies, allergies. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. This is always great, Paola. Thank you. Yeah, so we're relaunching your wonderful course, Allergic. Mm-hmm. And that means that the first time you did it, it was live. And so we had the live students. And now what we're releasing is the recording of that live course with all the students who had asked questions you know, during that session and right. all the notes and everything. We've got lots of feedback, and that's helped us a great deal. In what way do you mean? Well, it's helped us, for one thing, now we have time-stamped it. And I know that that is useful to students. That was a suggestion by one of the students, so we made it available to those who already have the course, but now that's how we're representing it with those kinds of little uh, finishing touches to make it easier to reference. So time-stamping is like the index, so you can go to the minute and the second that they talk about given subject. Good. Right. Yeah, I right. think that's actually very great because I've, and we're, we're doing that actually to all the courses now too, but this will be one of the first ones that has it up front. So right. Right. that is exciting. So talk about allergies. And I feel like this is something that you get a lot. The question of, you know, if I, I need, I'm allergic, so I need to find out what I'm allergic to, to then suppress it or avoid it or whatever. And you have a very different philosophy when it comes to allergies. Yeah, because I think that by and large, most people know what they're allergic to. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out. And so I don't know that testing is always mandatory or even necessary uh, because it's actually sometimes even unneeded. Uh, let me give you an example. I went for testing, you know, I've had allergies or I had allergies since I was six weeks old. Mm-hmm. So I had lots of tests and it was pretty clear what I was allergic to back then. We're talking about the early fifties and I was allergic to chocolate and milk and feathers and dust and wool, dander and animals and fur and, you know, the usual a milk, orange juice. And so it was pretty clear. My parents did not know at the time because I was so young. So I suppose it was useful, but in one way it was useful. In another way, it just made my parents nuts because now what? She can't even right. eat. She can't, what can she eat? There's nothing left. And then I got lots of shots. And because of that information, I was given lots and lots of shots. Uh, and so um, it didn't help me. Uh, it just made me scared and angry. And I hated going to the 
to the doctors because I knew I was going to get 16 shots. It was always 16 in this tray that was very scary. And I had little skinny arms and, you know, and so I went regularly. And so it was, um, I, it never made any difference. I still had eczema everywhere. Mm-hmm. So then as an adult, I went back and got tested again for allergies, thinking, well, maybe something new has come up. I mean, it has been 30 years. Maybe science has changed and they can help me and give me more information. And so when I was about 29 or 30, I had testing done again. And I actually knew what I was allergic to then. It didn't have problems with wool, uh, but I did have problems with dust if I was around too much. But what I was really allergic to by then was chemicals. I couldn't mm. be around dryer pads and perfumes and uh, new car smells and nail polish and cleaning fluids and walking down the aisle in the grocery store that had all the soaps. I could not be around those things. So I went to the allergist and got tested and he brilliantly came up with the three substances that I was allergic to. He said, declare, this is what you're allergic to. And he put this little sheet in front of me and it was three items. I'll never forget it. This was back in 1980. I'll never forget it. You're allergic to bananas, horse hair, and turkey. And the reason I remember that so vividly is because it's so ridiculous. I said, bananas. Okay, well, I have a banana maybe once a couple, every couple of weeks, I suppose. Okay, I can stop bananas. But then horse hair. Now, I was not um, an affectionate of horses. And I had no horsehair furniture in my house. So that didn't make any sense to me at all. So then how could I be so sick if I bananas only once every two weeks in this and, right. and you know, not around horsehair. And then the third thing was turkey, which I did eat <laughs> every single Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna say every single day. <laughs> every single Thanksgiving, I ate it. I know I shouldn't have, but I did. <laughs> so it's ridiculous. It was ridiculous. And so these tests are to say they're inconclusive is laughable. Well, I, I went and did allergy testing myself. And I was really concerned because the list of foods that I couldn't eat was so large. I mean, you can relate. But I went with an alternative doctor. And what was kind of deflating for me is I'm there to get help so that I can eat more food. Not only, I mean, he came with more ingredients that I apparently didn't even know about that I shouldn't be eating. So I was like, why am I even here? You're like ruining my life a little bit more. Just away with happiness. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and so that was pretty frustrating. So I, I, I don't care. I ate the shrimp because it, you know, I had to eat. Yes. And then, and then Tina you know, if you listen to the most recent Moms with Moxie podcast, Tina's doctor came in and told her she had to live on air and water, I think. And he kind of said it, he was laughing and flippantly. Yeah. And Tina was just, you know, that was offensive to her because she, this is the, like a death sentence basically, you know? Yeah. 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 So does it matter what you're allergic to? And, and on one hand, maybe it's, it, it matters because if it's an anaphylactic reaction, then you, of course, need to know that it is peanuts or it is almonds right. or it could be apples or whatever. Certainly, you need to know that. But to be honest, if you've had an anaphylactic-like symptom, um, you know what you're allergic to. It's not very difficult to <laughs> figure out. Yep. So but if it's absolutely mandatory that you find out, then, of course, find out. But to be honest, most people already know. 
Right. And I find that those tests can be pretty archaic. Now, I given mine was done in 1980 the last time I went, um, but I hear these stories all the time, how what is brought to their attention really is not what is real in their lives, that it really is more chemicals or really is more if they just eat too much of, of a certain food. So I just don't find, I'm not impressed with um, allergy tests. Mm-hmm. So we can start with that, I suppose. So the, the point is that in homeopathy, we look at things, most everything in terms of health, quite different. And one of them is that when we look at allergies, we use two, the two-prong method. One is that we have to uproot the condition with uh, medicines that have been proven time and again for most people across the board. And then we have to use the symptoms that are presenting, because they present differently in everyone, to determine which medicines are used for those particular symptoms. Now, for those who are accustomed to conventional medicine, they might be thinking, well, we're just, you know, I can just suppress symptoms, but just by taking Alarest or something. But what we're doing is different. We are not suppressing the symptoms. We're using the symptoms because they represent what's going on on a deeper level. Mm-hmm. We're using them to determine which medicines are best chosen. So, you know, some people sneeze. Some people have eczema. Some people have bloating. Some people have hair loss. Some people have food intolerances. There are all kinds of things that can come from allergies. Some people have asthma. Some people have hives. So we've got to use the baseline medicines that are across the board for allergies in general. And then in addition to that, the medicines that are specific to any one of those. Now, if it's two of those, we're using two protocols. So if it's sneezing and eczema, we're gonna use a sneezing protocol and an eczema protocol, as well as the baseline medicine. Which is usually like that food intolerance protocol because that's what's causing the eczema. If it's pretty clear that that's what it is, then then you can use food intolerances, but we a food intolerance protocol, but we don't want to just jump to that. Right. We okay. want to see some food intolerances. We want to see some diarrhea or constipation or bloating or burping or not literally, but we want to see that the person has got some gut issue that's right. pretty formidable before we jump to this must be a food intolerance. Before we assume that the eczema is a yeah. food intolerance right, right away. Right. Okay, exactly. I see. And, and that kind of goes back to the example with our mom with Moxie, Tina. She didn't have these food allergies because hers were actually anaphylaxis allergies her whole life until they presented that day in her car while she was driving, eating almonds, <laughs> you know, that poor woman and had to drive to the ambulance, you know. So the goal is to press the reset button with the appropriate protocol. Yeah. And meanwhile, people always say, well, so can I eat the foods that are offending until that time? And, you know, while I'm taking these homeopathic medicines until I'm, until it uproots it. And the answer is for Tina, no, she should not be eating almonds because it causes anaphylaxis. But if a little bit of wheat here and there causes a little itching and the flexors of your elbows with an exhibitous rash, it's not a big deal for you. So it's not as severe for you. It depends on the severity. But that kind of goes against what naturopaths say, because when I saw my naturopaths, I didn't have like allergic reactions to foods, but I would have um, intolerance type reactions. And my doctors would say, my naturopathic doctors would say, well, you have to avoid this completely for like four years for your body to forget it, for your immune system to forget it. And then you can try and reintroduce that. Well, I did that for three years. I mean, maybe pushing four. 
And then I remember I, I bought wheat, I sprouted it, I cut the wheatgrass, I pressed the wheatgrass. I've done it. I know what I you're talking about. I a little juice. And within five minutes, I had my, my autoimmune type reaction. I mean, I think it was seconds, honestly. I was, I was amazed at it. I'm like, my gosh, four years down the drain of avoiding this, hoping my immune system would forget, you know. And so that's really different. Good luck with that system. I've, I've used it. Because I've done this for so many years, because allergies were such a part of, you know, really it was my middle name. And so I, I've done all of that. The avoidance thing, I suppose, works for some people. Mm-hmm. It never worked for me. Me neither. Nor does it work for the people who contact me. Because right. if they're cured by it, then I don't, have, I don't hear about it. Right. I get the people for whom it does not work. Or for the, from the poor mother who's got five kids, and two of them are allergic to gluten, one's allergic to dairy, the third one's allergic to everything, and the fourth one can eat anything. Now, what does she do? Right. How does she feed a family like that? And so it behooves us to learn how to uproot the condition instead of avoid. Because the more we avoid, often, not always, but mm-hmm. often, the more we avoid, the more we must avoid. It becomes right. narrower and narrower and narrower until finally people tell me, I think I'm allergic to water. And that's the first time I heard that some 20 years ago. Right. I was thinking, well, could it be the chlorine in her water? And then I thought, you know what? I don't think this is allergy to the substance. I think it's not the raw materials going into the gut, into the factory. I think it's the factory. Right. It's the gut. It's the person's body. The mechanisms have gotten all cockeyed. And that's what needs to be corrected. Not try to make that food perfect. Right. That's exactly right. And I think that's just a very interesting, you have to kind of have that mind shift, you know, that your body doesn't need to forget the food that it's intolerant to by avoiding, like, you know, my naturopaths were saying, instead it's allowing the factory to repair itself. Because really, I mean, that's the truth. If you're going to avoid and the factory isn't going to get better during that time, then what? Well, how do you avoid pollen and feathers and dust and perfumes and fumes and I mean, now you can avoid cigarette smoke, but it was a, it was horrible for me. I'd smell a puff of cigarette smoke and I'd go right into asthma. How do you do that? Well, what I did is I lived in a bubble until I finally came across it again. So let's say I have food intolerances, which, you know, I, I'm a lot better from that, but someone has food intolerances and they want to get better. So now they're going to get better in a week or two. Is that how it works? <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be great? Although I have heard it, it has happened, but it's not common. It's more often that it takes using these medicines for very long periods of time, especially the medicines that are uh, used to the baselines. These stuff for Kaline and carb. These are the medicines, and I'm saying them quickly because, to be honest, there's a whole protocol around them. So it just gives you kind of a little an idea of what the names of the medicines are. Right. And that's, the, that's the core part of your allergic course. That's the core. That's the first prong. Mm-hmm. And then the second prong is if they're sneezing, then sometimes it can be resolved in very short order. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Those little, those little symptoms go away. That's true. I remember in, in one season, my seasonal allergies were significantly better, which is pretty quick. You know. Well, I always have had watery eyes and for years on and off, through the seasons, I always thought of it as, well, it's allergies, it's allergies, it's allergies, and I have to uproot the allergies. And then one day I took Argentum Nitrophone. Mm-hmm. And 
it was gone. Like, I mean, play, I, I hate when I say this because then I'm always sorry later because people say, well, it didn't work that fast for me. It must be the wrong medicine or homeopathy doesn't work for me right. or it works for you, but not for these people. But it, I, the reason I remember it, of course, is because it was so stunning. And I only took a dose and the next day they were fine and I didn't have runny eyes. Of course, came back again about a week later and I took it again until finally I took it enough times that finally it, it aborted. But that's the kind of the, like the upper, you know, kind of like the piccolo mm -hmm. in, the, in, the, in the concert. We're talking about the whole string section has to be corrected. Right, and that those are the baseline. Mm -hmm. And so in your courses, you explain that, you know, we need to have that patience and you, you talk about the eight weeks before we change protocols or something like that. And um, so talk to us about that, about that patience. Um, well, what I find is that often people are so eager to feel better that they are not honest with how many changes there have been or whether or not there have been even a small changes. Mm -hmm. So because of that eagerness to get well soon and because they've spent, we talked about this earlier, spent so much money trying to deal with this and seen so many doctors that they feel as though it's within their right to expect the medicines, these medicines to work fast. Like they have to like homeopathy is to make up for all the previous mistakes I made in my life. All the money I've spent, all the vitamins, all the supplements, all the doctors, all the shots, all have to be culminated in eight weeks. If I don't see a change, well, I'm just going to chalk it up. There we go. There's just another paradigm, another notch on my belt to prove that indeed I am not curable. But instead, if we look at it from a different point of view and we say, Use the medicines accordingly, correctly. They can, if you watch carefully and diligently, you will likely see a little shift at about eight weeks. If there's no shift, absolutely no shift at all, I might say push it a little further because these protocols are Banerjee protocols that have been used for the Banerjee's by for 150 years. Mm -hmm. And why not you? If it works for millions of others, why would it not work for you? So we might push it a little bit longer, but generally speaking, at about eight weeks, we stop and assess. And that's what I teach in this course, Allergic, or in all my courses, and on my blog that's free. I always say stop at a certain point, especially for chronics, and assess. So you're saying you know, the eight weeks is really to kind of steady people to get comfortable because eight weeks is kind of a long time when you're suffering, you know, and you're, you're trying to steady us to really know, to, to really give yourself the chance and the opportunity to assess and maybe even sneak past that yes. a little bit. Well, but, and the eight weeks, remember now, is not, is not for, say, the watery eyes or the, or the lips that are swelling. Absolutely right. not. We expect that to move quickly because that's an acute so I said, okay. that's like a little piccolo. Up like like a, an acute presentation of the, of the chronic condition. Absolutely. What we're looking for in eight weeks is just an overall lifting, a little shift, a little less fatigued during allergy season, a little mm -hmm. less bloated, a little bit less itchy. The skin is not quite as bad. 
Right. If we can get, if we can eke some patience out of people without them thinking about how much they've done before and what's brought them here and look at this as a fresh new paradigm, they will probably be happier with what they've learned. Right. So kind of going to the other extreme, do you worry that someone might use a protocol for too long? Yes, I do worry about that. And because I don't know who I'm speaking to in these courses or even now for that matter. Are you an 80 year old man? Are you a young 25-year-old mother? Are you talking about, are you a mother with an infant who's sick? I know nothing about you. Are you in the U.S.? Are you in India? Are you in New Zealand? I know nothing about you. And so I would rather be conservative and teach how to really pick it apart and, and observe it eight weeks than say, all right, green light, go for, for four months and see how you do. It really needs some overview. And this is why I'm probably one of the few homeopaths that I'm aware of who teaches this kind of stuff. Because I know why classical homeopaths and other homeopaths won't teach this because they're nervous. I don't blame yeah. them. I'm nervous too. I'm worried people are going to make a mistake. I don't want them to make mistakes. I want homeopathy to be hailed and not the focus of fury. And so I would rather see that we move slowly and judiciously than jump into something and say, okay, can't be that. Let's go to the next one. No, I agree with you because I do have a lot of friends come knocking on my door and they just want me to tell me real quick, just tell me real quick. You know, I was talking to someone about bladder issues, um, interstitial cystitis, which is what I had. So I kind of know plenty about it. And is it okay if I just try this protocol? And I always tell them, my fear isn't so much that the protocol will hurt you because it's likely that that won't happen. But my fear is that you, will, you won't apply it for the proper amount of time and then you think it's not working and then you abandon it and then all has been lost when it could have been helping. Right. That's such a huge loss. If you think about it, it's, it's like in the movie, you know, when, when, when the main character is about to do something right and they don't realize it and then they give up and you're like, ah, no. Right, you know? right, exactly. Exactly. So frustrating. <laughs> well, I always get the question, I always get this a little preface to the question. I have a quick question. Well, yeah, the question might be quick, but the answer is not so yes. uncomplicated. The yes. answer is pretty in depth. You might say, but I get used for tuberculosis. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. you right. know what I mean? Right. So it might seem simple. Homeopathy is a very complex medicine. And what I've tried to do here is I've stuck my neck out. I'm going to be honest. I really stick my neck out with this yeah. information. And what I'm trying to do is distill it, make it simple so that families can use this. I, I don't guarantee uh, results. I can only tell you what's happened for me. I can report what's happened to others. I can report what I see in Kolkata at the Banerjee Homeopathic Research Foundation. And I can tell you about the data that they've collected over the last 150 years. I think it's pretty impressive. Right. Well, and I think the big issue here is, you know, when we talk about it theoretically, you know, like we are right now, it seems very logical. Okay, well, I'll just make sure to give it lots of time. But the problem is, is we're dealing with humans who have emotions and failings. And it's like you said a minute ago, because we've suffered so much, sometimes we feel like we're entitled to a quicker cure. Right. You know, but, it, but it doesn't matter. Well, I hear this all the time. I say, okay, so how are you doing? And they say, well, I'm about the same. 
And I and I'm going to be honest with you, not to be critical of people who've said that to me, and I don't have anyone in mind. Right. But that's lazy. It is really lazy. Come on. Tell me what you were like before, although you don't have to because I have it all written down when I'm working with you one on one. I have point by point straight from the horse's mouth. Now tell me what has changed. Mm-hmm. And, and look, I don't want to make people neurotic and have to write every single thing down. But when you say, oh, it's just about the same. Now it's my turn, actually, to pick at that mm-hmm. and say, okay, so, and I go back to the notes. So how about those old headaches? Mm-hmm. And this is what I usually hear. Oh, oh, yeah. I No, I don't have those anymore. Oh, well, there you go. So I guess the medicine's worked. Right. Okay. But, but I'm still pretty much the same. And then I ask the next question. Okay, so how about uh, the bloating? Oh, oh, yeah, that's gone. Yeah, okay, so now we've got two pegs there. On the side of, it must have been homeopathy unless you just took steroids or something. So it's important that we realize that in two month period of time of those eight weeks, you kind of have to pay attention to where you were, not on a day-to-day basis, but rather, at that eight-month juncture, you've got to be able to look back. And how do you look back if you're treating yourself or your family? You better take copious notes and yes. assign a number value. On a scale of one to ten, how bad was that eczema itching? Oh, it was an eight. Okay. And how often was it? Every night. And did it keep you up at night? It kept, keeps me up every night. Now, eight weeks later, now tell me. How bad is that eczema itching? Oh, it's a six. We've gained two points. That's great because it was eight, now it's six. You don't say anything yet. You wait, you wait. Okay, is it every night that it's itching? No, I don't, it doesn't itch so much anymore. It itches a little here and there, but it doesn't keep me up anymore. Now we know the medicine is acting. And when we know the medicine's acting, what do we do? We stay with it. But I have to play devil's advocate here for a second, Joy. I've been in the situation where I've been frustrated because we can't nail down the right remedy. And so I think what you're saying is that you understand those frustrations, but don't change, don't shortchange homeopathy and don't stop observing and seeing what could be happening right now because of those Listen, frustrations. I, you know, maybe I'm a little harsh in saying that that's lazy because I do know that people are suffering when someone is sick. The last thing they're thinking of is observational skills, being pragmatic, keeping notes, et cetera. But if you want to really get this, to be honest, if you're going to do this yourself, you have no other choice. Now, if you're working with a homeopath, it's different because then the homeopath is writing everything you've said down and now we're comparing notes to what you're saying now. That's okay that you're a a little bit lazy about it. But if you're doing this yourself for your child, your dog, your yourself, whatever, you have to be sharp. Yeah. And I, I agree with that because I feel like I have seen people, you know, kind of drop out of school of homeopathy, so to speak, you know, drop out before they really gave it a chance. And I know they're missing out on it because, because like it or not, I have gone so far with homeopathy and we get greedy. We want to be better and better and better. Yes, you know what I yes mean? we but do. We do. For heaven's sakes, if you, I've, I've come so far and you have to realize that this can take you very far. Yes. So, 
Yes. Okay, so let's let's go back to allergies and tell me about a food intolerance story that you have. Yeah, I can tell you about Buster, my dog. He writes a blog every once in a while on my on my site. And Buster for a while, for quite a while, couldn't drink milk. We would get this beautiful milk from our farmer down the road. It was fresh, it was raw, and he would love it. And if he drank one day, it'd be okay. But by the second or third day, his eyes would get weepy and red. And it looked really gross. And it was bothersome for him, too. At one point, they would get even a little bit raw and itchy. So we stopped the milk. Those symptoms would go away. And then we wait a little longer. We do it again. Milk again. He would drink it for a couple of days. Same thing, same scenario, repeated. So... We could have just given Buster the life of milk abstinence. Mm-hmm. No more milk for you, mister. This is just for everybody else. But, you know, I was getting all this great milk years ago, and sometimes my family didn't drink it all. And so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things I could have done with milk, but it was awfully easy just to feed the dog and right. get his meal taken care of, pretty much. So I decided I'd just give him the medicine for it. So I put his medicine, his homeopathic medicine, in the milk. So that he drank it up. And you mean a homeopathic medicine for the eyes or specific? No, specific for allergies, for food intolerances. Okay. I started with that. That is our baseline. That's the string section of the orchestra. Okay. And then the piccolo, which was really presenting, because this is, I'm sure it was a bigger picture than this. I bet if we continued with the milk, he'd get probably itching elsewhere. Or he might get burping, he might get diarrhea, et cetera. So, but because it presented as... His eyes becoming problematic. I gave him Argentum nitricum. And I gave that to him specific, so I gave him both. Both the, the, food, the, the medicine that was specific for food intolerances and another specific for how it presents. Mm-hmm. There's the string section and the piccolo. Then once that stopped, the eyes got better, then we could add, reintroduce milk. Not necessarily immediately. Sometimes it takes months. Not months of the Argentum nitricum, because that usually went away, you know, in short order, in a week. Right. That's what you're saying, that the... the yeah, that'll go away in a week, because the piccolo doesn't have a big part in the, in the, in the orchestra. It's the, only got a couple little lines here and there. But right. the string section is the baseline. That is the basis of all of orchestral music. Mm-hmm. So we have to eventually correct that so there's not a cacophony. So, so the acute the acute presentation of the chronic tends to go quickly. Yes. And then we're talking about back to that. Yes. Which is why it works so well for Tina, as she'll describe in her Moms with Moxie mm-hmm. yep. podcast. Yes, exactly. So now Buster drinks raw milk. Mm-hmm. Took a couple of years of using the baseline medicine. Not very long. Every once in a while, I'd give him a little more Argentum nitricum. I don't say when it comes back again oh no, homeopathy doesn't work. Wait a minute. He's still been drinking it. It's just not perfect yet. He just needs it a little bit longer. Right. Stop throwing in the towel is what I say. Come on, we have to have tenacity here. You have to have persistence when it comes to something as important as uprooting a chronic condition such as allergies. Yeah, we're, we we tend to oversimplify things in our mind. We want this nice, tidy, uphill climb to, you know, heaven. Well, we want it better. to be linear, and, and it yeah. is not linear. It's two steps mm-hmm. forward, a half step back, four steps forward, three steps back. 
And it's funny you're talking about your dog with milk intolerances. We have a dog that we got this year and um, he was a stray and we started giving him raw milk and he had diarrhea from it, you know? And so I, I went to your blog, there's the disasters, dysentery and diarrhea, I think blog. And I gave him the, the protocol for the diarrhea. And I'm thinking, I think I'm going to go ahead and give him the remedy for that food intolerance. That yes. Intolerance. Yeah. And see if he can start drinking milk again mm-hmm. or for the first time. Very good. So one of the reasons you haven't given a lot of specific protocols in this podcast is why, Joette? Well, because it really requires not just, here's the protocol, just take it. Sometimes mm-hmm. it can be that simple in homeopathy, right. but right. not for chronic conditions such as allergies. Allergies are old. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the person, they're often old. Right. Even for Tina, I don't know. I mean, I do know Tina quite well. But I don't remember whether or not she had no allergies ever at all in her life or if there, was, there were no allergies in her family. And I suppose it's possible. I do hear that from time to time. These chronic conditions arise out of a couple of things. One is inheritance. It has to be in the DNA on some level that this person is capable of even getting allergies. Right. And then the second is a stimulation of the inheritance. So all you need is a couple of rounds of antibiotics for some people. Sometimes it takes two or three years of antibiotics. Sometimes it takes just one little round. Yeah. Uh, birth control pills, steroids. Those are the, the drugs. Those are, the, those are the, the catalysts that get the DNA a little riled up and mm-hmm. start presenting this or that. Now, some people's DNA will present allergies. Others will present heart disease. Others will present rheumatoid arthritis. Others will present all three. Right. So it takes time, but it also takes courage. Aristotle said courage is the greatest of all virtues because it makes all the other virtues possible. And anyone who's gone through chronic illness knows that to be patient takes courage. I think it does. I agree. Because it's scary. It's scary to kind of stick with it, to allow yourself the time to see if it's helping. But that's, that's where it is. You said it before to me, and I'm sure in, in the classes that the hard part isn't to select the remedies, but it's assessing the case. That's the hard part. That is the hard part. Because of the lack of patience that's, right. that's in our human nature. So. That's right. Well, as Voltaire said, not that I'm, I'm looking to, to quote everyone of old, but he said, tend your garden. Don't just expect that you throw a seed in the ground and now you're going to have all the vegetables for the rest of your season. No, you have to tend that garden. You have to pay attention and you have to wait. And there'll be good days and there'll be bad days and there'll be bugs and there'll be too much rain and there'll be drying and there'll be wetting. And so you have to know how to tend your garden. There's no other garden more important than yours or your family's. Well, thank you so much for your time, Joette. It's, we're, we're actually recording this kind of late into the night. <laughs> so you're so wonderful. Thank you. I hope you guys know Joette wakes up early and works into the night on this. She's, we're so thankful to have you. You're such a blessing to oh, all God, of us. Thank so. you. Well, I feel the same way about you. It's wonderful to have you running these and that I can just hand it over to you. You just kind of pull it all together for me. So oh, I have you. a lot to be thankful with you as well. All right. Well, let's go to bed. Thank you so much. Okay. (laughs) Okay. All right. Night all. Bye. 
You just listened to a podcast by JoetteCalabrese.com, where nationally certified homeopath, public speaker, and author, Joette Calabrese, shared her passion for helping families stay healthy through homeopathy and nutrient-dense nutrition. Joette's podcasts are available on iTunes, Google Play, Blueberry, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio.